right, guys. Anybody hear a crazy story of what somebody did in the ice storm? I heard donuts for sure in parking lots. I saw, I literally came into here this week. I still drove into work carefully. I saw donuts in our parking lot. I'm like, oh, who was that? That was, that was you, Jonathan? All right. It was not Jonathan Maddox, but one of you out there. Way to go. I was, I was going to do it, but <laughs> I'm not in my 20s anymore. But anyway, so, um, well, good morning. Glad you guys are here. If I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm a lead pastor here at Antioch, and just so great to gather on Sundays. I look forward to Sundays, y'all. I mean, I, I got a lot of responsibility on Sundays, but I look forward to coming here to worship with you guys and to experience God together. I just, just to put value on what we do, like this is a special time every single week where it's our one church-wide expression where we get to collectively just look at Jesus together, to worship him, to honor him, to listen to him, and get to see other people seeking God. It's so encouraging. Hopefully, you feel stirred every time that you're here. And, uh, you know, it's in line with our vision for the series that we're in, but, you know, from Ephesians 2, we really want this place to be a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Just praying that again this morning as we're worshiping, Lord, dwell in our midst. Would we experience your presence in a real tangible way? Not just, wow, we're watching a concert of gifted people. No, no, no. We're we want to experience the presence of God together. And uh, anyways, just hopefully you feel stirred and encouraged already. Uh, but hey, before I jump into the message, just a couple, uh, couple things. So I think Maggie already mentioned that right after church today, there's a team meeting for all of you guys that are going to Tijuana with us or interested. You can come to that. If you've never expressed interest at all in the last few months, you can still come to that meeting to hear a little bit more. Um, but also, I realize that not everybody can go on that spring break mission trip. And so next Sunday, February 12th, we are doing what's called a Giving Sunday. Everybody say Giving Sunday. So there's so many different ways you can um, obviously engage with the mission of God around the world. Obviously, going on a mission trip to Tijuana would be one of them. Uh, prayer would be another one. But also financial giving would be a huge way to make it possible for us to even be able to go to Tijuana to minister to people that are in great need and just to see God's glory in another nation. And so if you're not able to go, um, then we want to at least invite you to pray for us. And if you have space to give financially, that would be a huge blessing. Majority of the folks coming on this trip are college students. And I have, still haven't met a college student that was really banking it on, and just full of a whole bunch of cash. They can just do whatever they want with. Uh, but if you have space um, financially, but also in your heart, to give, um, then we're going to do a big Giving Sunday next week. So just be praying, talking to God about it. As you come to Sunday, we'll make space uh, a little bit different during the offering to give. And 100% of what's given will go towards the Tijuana trip, hoping to really cut the cost down um, this year. So hopefully that's clear, um, and we'll keep reminding you guys. But um, I'm excited about that opportunity for us to partner together uh, for this trip. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, Maggie just mentioned it, but this Wednesday night, we are doing a big worship night uh, with our board of advisors. And so um, she mentioned briefly about it, but um, thankfully, you know, especially me as the point leader of this church, we, we are not covering what God's doing here alone. We have a covering over us as a staff and me and Beth personally, uh, three men of God that have been serving the Lord for decades, been in ministry for a long time, and they care about our church and they pray for us regularly. And so they're going to be here this week, and um, just thought it would be a good idea because so many of you guys have never met them or seen them, Jamie and Tyler and Jordan, and um, some of you have, but it'd be so good to worship with them, but also I'm going to give them the mic to share just for a little bit anything that's on their heart that they think would be helpful and strengthening to our church body. So I want to pack this house out and worship together with them, and so come this Wednesday night. Sound good? 
All right. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'll see you Wednesday night at the church. All right. All right. Okay, here we go, guys. If you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. Um, if you've been tracking with us the last few weeks, we pretty much have been camping out in the book of Ephesians. And the title of this series we've been doing is called Health of the House. Health of the House. And um, long story short, uh, what this series is about is what are the components or the elements that make up a healthy church or a, the healthy household of God? Our theme passage has been Ephesians uh, 2, I just referenced it, 2, uh, verse 19 through 22. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Everybody say household of God. So just comment on that first verse. When you are born again, when you are saved and you start to follow the Lord, you believe in Jesus, his death and his resurrection, you put your faith in him, you are born again into relationship with the Lord, but that's not the end of the story. You're also, uh, in a sense, born into a family, the household of God, the family of God. You were a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, but now you are part of his kingdom. Isn't that great news? Okay. What's great news is that we're not, God could have done this, but he didn't save us and then put us all on individual islands to figure out walking with him alone. He put us in families, and his structure for that is what he calls the body of Christ or the church. And then it goes on to say the rest of this passage that we're built on the foundation, the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and him you also are being built together Here's that phrase I referenced earlier, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And as we've been journeying through this series and looking at this verse, you know, I just expressed over and over again my heart, my desire, and I would say it's our heart and our desire is, man, God's building a house here, and we want it to be healthy. We want it to be strong. We want it to be built up in the Lord, and we want it to be mature and continuing to grow, not just numbers, but we want to grow in our hearts and grow in our love for the Lord. And some of you guys are visiting this Sunday, and so hopefully this will be helpful to know, you know, what are we about and what do we care about. Some of you guys are from out of town, and some of you just might not land here at this church, but the things I'm talking about as we look through Ephesians, like these are really helpful things to consider no matter where you're plugging in in a church body. So take these things with you. Think about how you could apply them to your life, all right? The four main things we've been looking at that make up a healthy church uh, is this that will be on the screen. A healthy church has everyone experiencing God, connected to the body, contributing to the body, and equipped for ministry. So last week, we talked about everyone contributing to the body. I know there's lots of things that can come to your mind when you think about that, but I tried to simplify it into three very common admonitions in Scripture when it talks about the church or the body of Christ contributing, and it was these three things, giving, serving, and praying. So we broke those down last week, but just throwing that up there as a reminder, especially if you guys weren't here, just considering what could that look like for me if I want to contribute to a healthy body. It's not just on one person or a few, but man, if we all contribute a little bit, it makes this body strong. All right. Well, this week uh, we are wrapping it up week uh, four here, and we're going to talk about how a healthy church has everyone equipped for ministry. Everybody say equipped for ministry. Equipped for ministry. All right, let me just explain what I mean by that, and then I'll pray, and, and then we'll dive into it a little bit more deeper. So this, I get this phrase from Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11 and 12. If you're at Ephesians 4, say, I'm there. 
All right. Uh, as usual, most of you are waiting for the screen. It'll be up there too. Don't worry. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Let me break that down a little bit. The word equip. Everybody say equip. All right. Equip means to train, to make complete, to make ready, and to fit for action. Equip means to make ready, make complete, to train, or to fit for action. But who is getting equipped? According to this verse, who is it? The Saints. Let me define the Saints. Okay, number one, it's not the New Orleans football team. Okay? Also, my boys go to Shiloh, which are also the Saints. But anyways, a little school, it's a private Christian school in town. Saints are also not just the holy men of old, from centuries of old. Okay? Here's what saints are. You and me. If you are a born-again believer, the Bible calls you a saint. So just a word for holy one, or don't get too worked up on that, but just holy means you're set apart, you're different, you're called out of the world. That's what a saint is. So to summarize what this means is every one of us, if we're a believer in Jesus, you are getting trained and fit for action, and there is something that God has you to do that will strengthen the church and will advance God's kingdom. Every single one of you. Not just the amazing anointed worship team on the stage, not just the pastor, not just the guys that know exactly what they're doing back there with that soundboard. It's just every one of us, by the grace of God, because we are saints, we are called into action to do things that advance the kingdom of God and build up his church. And for a church to function healthily, it needs everyone to be equipped for ministry. Another way to say this same phrase or a couple different ways is, you know, it's not, if we want to have a healthy church and we look at this verse of equipped for ministry, it's not just all on the pastor or on the staff to quote unquote do the work of ministry. We each have a shared responsibility in fulfilling the mission of God and reaching people. Here's a couple examples that, uh, of just, you know, maybe evidence of maybe a wrong mindset or a mindset that's more so focused on there. Oh, there's really only a few people that are equipped for ministry. Here's a couple examples. You know, it's the, it's the person that comes up to the pastor and says, hey, I love our worship. I love what we're doing here. But why on earth do we not have a ministry to the poor and to the homeless? And I've never had that, pers- that question asked me before. Anyways, uh, <laughs> and um, here is just my comment on that is we need to be aware and in tune with the needs of a region and a city and take that very seriously and make sure that our focus doesn't just become on us. And so there's, in a sense, a valid point in that question. But I think the, the, main, the main point is, hey, if you've got a heart to reach the homeless and the poor, go and do it. And, in fact, here's a testimony. We do that in this church, <laughs> okay? There's people that um, they don't come with that type of tone in the question, but they say, hey, I have a heart to serve the homeless and the poor. And we say, yes, amen, let's do it. How can we equip you? How can we resource you? How can we help you? And just a few weeks ago, there was a group of folks, I think of Cassie and Andrew and a few others that went out and the church kind of gave them some resources and they ministered to the homeless and the poor and they gave little uh, kits to the folks that are on the street and just and got to share Jesus and pray for many of them. Isn't that awesome? That there are people in this church taking that seriously and being equipped for ministry. I love it. Another example um, is... You know, if you're thinking you got a buddy or a friend that um, doesn't follow the Lord, but you really want them to follow the Lord, one example maybe of not the, the, the greatest mindset would be, hey, I'm going to bring them, my friend, to church so that finally they can hear the gospel 
and get saved by anointed preaching of the preacher. <laughs> All right, so let me talk about that just for a second. Bringing a friend to church is amazing. Please bring your friends to church. Some of you are friends that are brought this morning. So hi, <laughs> thanks for being here. Literally, I got saved uh, because a friend brought me to church. It's amazing. But here's something that I think would be helpful just so you know where we're going is we want to equip every single one of you not just to bank on somebody else preaching the gospel for you, but to train you in how to share your faith outside of these walls so that 150 people <laughs> all throughout northwest Arkansas or wherever you're from can hear the message of Jesus and be ministered to. That would be more accurate in equipping the saints. Of course, bring people here to experience God and hear the gospel, yes, and amen, but it doesn't stop there. We want to equip everyone to go out and share their faith. And hey, here's a testimony again. There's people in this church that take that seriously. I feel like every week uh, or every other week, I get a story from Sam Keith or Dylan Slaughter that says something about a coworker they shared their faith with, someone they prayed for, someone they went out to lunch with, someone that they talked to about Jesus. It's so encouraging, and so many of you guys do that, but I'm so thankful that there's a group of people that take that seriously here. <clears throat> now, here is something else that I think is really encouraging to me is when we embrace this mindset of, hey, we're going to all be equipped for ministry, what it does to us is it gives every one of us a sense of purpose and calling. It gives every single one of us a sense of purpose and calling, and it makes something come alive in us that God wants to be alive in us. It's this, like, thought of, yes, I am being utilized by God. Yes, I am contributing. Yes, I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And there's lots of different avenues I could talk about in regards to what are we equipping? What's the substance? What's the topic? How do we do this? How do I practically apply this? But I'd kind of, in thinking about all the examples in scripture, I'm just going to simplify it into two main things to be thinking about as it regards to, okay, am I equipped for ministry and what is that ministry going to be? And here you go. There's two things, and this is what we're going to break down today. Uh, primary categories of being equipped. One is using your gifts, and the second is making disciples. Everybody say, using your gifts, and say, making disciples. So that's what we're going to talk about the rest of the time. What does that look like? How can I use my gifts? How can I be a part of making disciples? Because when I'm doing these things, then that is evidence that you know, I'm being equipped for ministry. All right, but let me pray. just want to ask the Lord to help us engage with this. So, Lord, we just come before you right now, all of us. We need you. Thank you for being here, present in our midst. And Lord, as we talk about using the gifts that you have given us, Lord, help us understand, help us move forward, and help us be activated in those. As we talk about making disciples, this, this clear command in Scripture and invitation you have for us to be a part of seeing others reach with the gospel, Lord, would you give us grace uh, to be empowered again today and then to be called into and fit for action, to be equipped for the things you've called us to. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's talk about using your gifts. So one of the, again, I've been camping out in Ephesians, and in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, sorry, 7 and 8, is where I kind of see, okay, this is a central point, I think, that Paul's trying to bring the church in. If, if you want to be healthy, if you want to be strong, if you want to be mature, what it's going to involve is the body of Christ using their gifts. And he has these couple statements here in verse 7 of chapter 4, says, but grace was given to each one of us, everybody say each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Here's a couple thoughts on this. One 
is we each have gifts from God. And here's the deal. You have to believe it if you want to use them. <laughs> you need to believe the truth written in this passage. It's so, it's so clear. I put it on the screen, just this sentence. You need to remember this. Every one of us has a gift, at least one, given to us from God. From who? From God. Every single one of us have a gift from God. And if we don't believe it, then we definitely won't use the gifts that God has given us. And in res as a result, the body will be less strong than it could be. Okay. Now, there's, there's a struggle, I think, with this um, for a lot of us. And I would say there, to summarize the struggle, it's just kind of different lies or insecurities from the enemy in regards to whether or not we believe this. Okay. A couple lies could be, well, I don't feel or seem to be that gifted, especially compared to others. I just want you to know that is a lie of the enemy. And I would discourage you, discourage you from being, uh, comparing yourself to others. Some of us, it's simply like the ignorance in the sense of, I don't even know what my gifts are, so how on earth do I use them? Okay, that's a struggle. Uh, some of us just feel less than or inferior and, um, in regards to the gifts that we have. Okay, understanding some of this is the struggle that we go through. Now, here's the other end of it. Some of you think you're the most gifted human on the planet. <laughs> no one is as anointed as you. All right. <laughs> and I need to get other people out of the way so that everyone can see that I am very gifted. That's also a problem, <laughs> the bigger problem. <laughs> and and um, so I'm glad you laugh at that, but hopefully you're laughing primarily at yourself. And, uh, and just check there. It's like, hold on, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Both ends of the spectrum are not what we're going for. Okay, we are thankful for how God made us, and we have faith that he has given us gifts that he wants to, uh, us to use. And I think one of, the, one of the pitfalls, or one of the reasons I think it's a struggle is kind of the, the social media influencer culture kind of in our generation, which means like, or, or this thought that I am insignificant unless my gift is reaching whatever the number is for an influencer. <laughs> I'm not on social media. I don't know. But just, you know, it's like, I am insignificant unless my, my, the breadth of my whatever, my personality, my gift, the way I'm being used, reaches 10,000 people. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is just a mindset from our culture. That is not what it says here. The littlest of contribution in the body of Christ, simply saying hi this morning and being greeted by someone, or many of you probably, or some, I saw some of you guys praying over each other during worship, the littlest of contribution can make a big impact. And we're not thinking big impact because thousands of people came after you prayed. It's the big impact of what is, on earth is going on inside of somebody's soul. That's big impact. I'm being drawn closer to Jesus. That is so much better than having thousands of people behind me. It's like, I'm gonna, I want to get closer to Jesus. I want to be made more like him. That's a big impact. And we just need to believe the fact that, hey, no matter what little we contribute, it matters. And it leads to the strength of the body. So we each have gifts from God. Tell your neighbor that you have gifts from God. Look at him. Tell him. You have gifts from God. Come on. Hey, let me, um, I'm going to keep going on this for a second, but let me, I'm going to take a little quick rabbit trail, a little tangent, okay, because I just, before we move on from this truth that we have gifts, I want to clarify something. <clears throat> this is pretty important. I kind of hinted at it last week, but. 
we each have gifts and we need to believe this, but, but what needs to be settled in us first and what I think God wants us to have first is to make sure that we have a heart of a servant because God is not just looking for gifted people. He's looking for servant-hearted people. He's not just looking for you to use your gifts. He's looking for servants, those willing to do anything if it's a blessing to God and blessing to others. Okay, this is kind of funny. It's, it, it just reminded me of, um, I don't know, a common struggle in our generation, which is like um, pretty much like if, if, if I'm thinking about doing something, i got to really evaluate, does it match up my Enneagram? Does it match up my personality? Am I passionate about it? Does it give me vision? And if it doesn't, I will wait on the Lord and do nothing. <laughs> so, but let me just comment on that. Literally, I was typing this out, this kind of this do what I'm passionate about versus what clearly scripture talks about is working diligently unto the Lord, serving, doing hard things, and not giving up, perseverance. I literally was typing in, I do my notes on Google Docs, and it finished the sentence for me, doing what I'm passionate about. It finished the sentence. You know that little pre-typing thing? When I typed in hard work and diligence, there was, there was no finish of that <laughs> sentence. I was like, I live in the right generation. Yep, that was right. <laughs> Pro, you know, we think of the, the, the fake proverb of wait on the Lord for the perfect job that you're passionate about and all will go well with you. It's like, ah, no, proverb says <laughs> work diligently, work hard, persevere. Hard work pays off, okay? And so there, I, this, we're actually going to go into a little bit of that in the next couple weeks. Uh, Larry and Jeremy are going to be um, preaching and it's kind of related to finances or just like diligence and, and working hard unto the Lord and how the Lord rewards that. But so there's just your little teaser and just more biblical approaches. Hey, we have a heart of a servant willing to do anything. Um, and then the Lord will continue to lead and direct. OK, now that I have a heart of a servant, how can I use the gifts that God's given me to serve the body? All right. Now, how do I know what my gifts are? Here's a couple of things I'll put on the slide. If you're curious about that or just legitimately don't know how to figure that out, here's a couple of things. One, you listen to the Lord, talk to God about it. I mean, today would be a great day. Lord, what are the gifts you've given me? Another one is ask people around you. And I put on here that phrase, connected to the body, which was my sermon two weeks ago. That's the, the beauty and the strength of making sure you're connected to the body because then you're able to know from other people's feedback, here's what you're good at. Here's what you give this church family. When I receive that from others, it strengthens my soul, and it helps me want to run forward in the things God's called me to do. Okay, and then um, another third one is, hey, what motivates you? What gets you excited? What do you see so much purpose in? There are so many things that I just get fired up about and so envisioned for. I'm like, yes, and then there's just different people and different personalities that don't get as fired up about those things, and it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe this is a gift of God over my life to do this, and I need to honor others that are excited about other things. I mainly think about me and my wife. We're just very different. But anyways, last thing here is try some things out. You know, we can, um, and, and it's okay to work on figuring out what your gifts are. Okay, if you're in your 20s, let me just give you a, a teaser. You're probably not going to know exactly what your primary gifts from God are, God are until later on in life. So it's okay that you're working. What is my gifts? Like, don't decide at 18, this is the way God will use me for the rest of my life. You know, like, I mean, just, I mean, you might have some clarity. I felt like I had some ideas or some words, but I had no idea what that was going to look like. Um, and so just, just go on a journey with the Lord of trying some things out, serving people, trying out a couple things, and the Lord will help clarify what those gifts are.
And if you're curious on what are some of the gifts in Scripture, then um, I'm going to just read you something from Romans 12 real quick. It gives a great list, kind of reemphasizes the point I'm trying to make of using them. This is Romans 12. It'll be on the screen, verse 4 through 8. For as in one body we have m- many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts, there it is again, you've got gifts, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Everybody say, use them. Yeah. Clarifies again, you've got to understand that we have gifts, and then God's invitation is, hey, use them. And here's a couple of examples. I don't think this is an exhaustive list. Here's a few things that it says in Romans 12. If you're a gift of prophecy, then use it in proportion to your faith. If service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So hopefully you see a list there of a few different gifts that the Bible talks about. There's other chapters that explain some more gifts. First Corinthians, the end of 1 Corinthians 12 talks about different gifts used to strengthen the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 lists a couple things. Um, but I don't even think these ex- lists are exhaustive anyways. There's different gifts that God gives us that can be used to strengthen the body. And the exhortation there in Romans 12 is, hey, let's use them. So we each have a gift. And hey, I'm encouraged by where our church is at. There's a lot of people using their gifts to strengthen this body. So many people. I, I think here's a couple of shout outs. I think there's a group of a few young adults, uh, I think Andrew, Estrada, and Christian, Tori, and a few others that meet on Sunday mornings to listen to God and pray for our service. And then sometimes they'll send us a text. Hey, we feel like this is what God's saying. Strangely enough, it's very accurate very often. <laughs> and I'm like, how'd you know I was going to preach that? Did somebody tell you my notes or show you my notes? And they say, well, no, we're just trying to listen to God. And I would call that prophecy. Listen to what God is saying and speak that out. So I'm so encouraged by that. I think of the green wades that just in a few months of living here have invited so many people over. It's such great hosts and just welcoming people into their home. I think of, uh, I mean, just our entire worship team. There's so many folks that I could call out and encourage. But, I mean, let me just say, all of them, so gifted. And we get to experience the presence of God together because they're using the gifts that God's given them. I think of uh, Leif. I don't know if Leif's in here, but I just think of him and the grace to lead. When he gets excited about something, other people get excited about it, too, and they want to do it. So wherever you are, Leif, thanks for leading well. <clears throat> so just a few shout-outs there, and, and uh, just and proud of our church with the way that we're leaning into this truth. But let's, let's keep going. There's so many of us that, that I didn't mention, and I want you to know the truth. You have a gift to give. You have a gift to use. Let's use it, and it's going to bring strength to this body. Amen? One more time, tell somebody next to you, you have a gift from God. Tell them. Oh, also say, use it. Use the gift. All right. Let's move on here to part two, which is not only do we have gifts that we get to use, but we are called to make disciples. I love this one. This is Gosh, I'm going to give you just you know, 10 minutes worth of little introduction, I'll say, into discipleship. Um, but this is a huge theme throughout Scripture that if you're thinking about, okay, am I being equipped for ministry? Am I being utilized by God? Then I really want us all to look at Scripture and say this is a clear invitation and call to every single believer, and that is to be a part of making disciples. Making disciples. Here's how I define discipleship or how we define it as a church. Discipleship is one, it'll be on the screen, one person helping others follow and obey Jesus and helping them make other disciples. So discipleship, simplified a definition, is one person helping others follow and obey Jesus and helping them make other disciples. 
Now, wait, I'm going to show you a little passage in just a second where we get this main idea from. There's so many, but um, let me just break that down for you a little bit more. When we think of discipleship, there is a form of discipleship that is within the church, and then there's a form of discipleship that is outside of the church. So within the church, that's going to be um, mainly facilitated through your life group. That's going to be a gathering of two to three or four people of the same gender that meet consistently, and the goal is to sharpen one another in their faith to hold them accountable, to encourage them to keep growing and not become stagnant in our faith. So we have discipleship groups. I mean, lots of them. I don't know how many, but we have many, many discipleship groups within our church. If you want to be involved in one of those, then talk to one of your life group leaders. But the other element is discipleship outside of our church. And what I mean by that is just being intentional with anybody around you in your life to help them, hopefully, learn to follow and obey Jesus. And then in turn, help them also make other disciples. So where do we see this throughout Scripture? I mean, really, it's, it's all over. You see this, this heart of God so clear, old and new. He wants to draw people to himself, and the way he's decided to do it primarily is through you and me. He wants to, let me say it again, he wants to draw people to himself, but the primary avenue that he's going to do that through is through his, through his sons and daughters, through believers. And we see, I mean, we've been camping out in Ephesians, like I said. We see hints of this kind of call to make disciples, be intentional. I mean, in the end of chapter 6, Paul's like asking the church to pray for him. And, you know, he, he did not ask, hey, pray for my comfort, my ease, and my health and wealth. <laughs> what he said at the end of chapter 6 is pray that I would share the gospel boldly like I ought to. And so you see this clearly in the heart of Paul. But that's a good reminder to us. But the most clear, I'd say, instruction to make disciples is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It'll be here on the screen. It says this. This is one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to the Father. He said, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When you guys are familiar with that, that's commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Great Commission. Go out and make disciples of all nations. Baptize people. Teach them to obey what I've commanded, and I'm with you always. The Great Commission. There's many different forms of this same command or commission all throughout uh, Scripture. I've got a list of a couple of them if you want to take a picture of it. Each of the four Gospels has their own version of what I would call the Great Commission. Then there's an additional one in Acts uh, 1, verse 8. So take a picture of that, but Matthew's got one, Mark's got one, Luke, John, and Acts. Acts 1, 8 talks about the power of the Holy Spirit coming on us, and then we are able to be God's witnesses. So here's what I want to say. Before I uh, give you any more practicals on this, the call and the invitation to make disciples is a glorious invitation to us. It is amazing that there is actually a mission to accomplish, and it doesn't stop with just looking at each other in this room. It's so amazing <laughs> that we are invited to a story that God's been writing for generations, that he wants us to be a part of it, so that one day, every single tribe, tongue, language, people group on the planet has an opportunity to hear the gospel. And then when Matthew 24, 14 says, gives room, gives way for Jesus to return. He said that the gospel, Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom is going to go out into all the world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. The context of that chapter is talking about the Lord's return. There is a mission to be accomplished before he comes again. 
And the way that he wants to do it, he said it over and over again through scripture, is to partner with you and me. Now listen, you don't have to get on a plane and go to the Middle East. You don't have to be one that leads thousands. Literally, if we each are faithful with one or two or three people every year, every time we have an opportunity, it literally multiplies itself out to many, many opportunities for people to respond to the gospel. Isn't that amazing? I love God's math. It's just great. <laughs> the way that, you know, I could just think, okay, I'm going to, you know, reach the world, and so I'm going to put on a bunch of conferences, and I'm just going to preach to everybody. Now, listen, there's people that do that and have a grace to evangelize to the masses, and yes and amen, use it. But most of us don't have that gift, and uh, we want to be faithful to make disciples of ones and twos and threes. It's amazing, and it's an invitation from God, and it's a holy mission, and it should motivate us, stir us up, and give us purpose in our life. And listen, it's a greater purpose than the other options. It is a more motivating and satisfying purpose to live for than living for yourself. It is better than just striving in this life to get as comfortable as you can, to get as, as your life as easy as you can, to get the perfect job or the perfect spouse or the most money. Listen, if you get some of that stuff, Woo! Praise God! But you will not be satisfied apart from connecting your life with the mission of God. None of us will. I have an amazing wife, an amazing family, a great house, a great job, a great church, all that stuff. But if that is what I'm banking on, I still find myself today dissatisfied with all those things unless I am engaged with the mission of God in the earth to go make disciples. Every one of us need that fire inside of us. And I'm just, I was praying this morning, give it to us, God. There are disciples to be made in Northwest Arkansas. There are people that are dying and apart from God and will spend eternity away from him in hell because they don't yet understand the love of God and the gospel. Some will reject it, and that's not our responsibility to make someone receive it, but we have an invitation from God to go be a part of rescuing people. We have an invitation from God to go be a part of helping those that are struggling and in need. And, oh, man, I, all I want to say is an invitation, and we get to say yes. Do you have to say yes? No, you don't. Will God still love you? Yes. Will he love you more if you do? Yes. I'm just kidding, but kind of. Anyways, complicated. I'll, I'll come back to that in another series. <laughs> There's a version of his love that is more about enjoyment, and he enjoys when we say yes to him. He enjoys it when we obey him. I enjoy my children when they obey. I enjoy them more when they obey. Another conversation for another day. But anyways, God loves you no matter what. Amen. But it's better to obey him. Yes? All right. Some of you leave in this church. All right. God loves you. So how do we engage in the mission of God? How do we be a part of making disciples? Here's kind of three things. Just to, again, break it down, make it simple for us, and then we'll wrap this up. But one is we need to understand the mission. Two, we need to pray the mission. And three, we need to live the mission. Let me just briefly comment on those. So understanding the mission is you know, pretty much everything I've been talking about for the last 10 minutes. Hey, there is a clear command in Scripture for us to be a part of going and making disciples, being intentional with inviting people in to follow Jesus, okay? And we need to understand that, internalize it, and realize that that has something to do with me too, not just Mitchell, not just somebody else, my life group leader, but me too. Then we pray the mission. This is great. Every one of us can do this. It literally, you can accomplish this in three seconds. Ready? Let me give an example of praying the mission. God, please bring people to your name in Northwest Arkansas. Amen.
There you go. You just prayed the mission of God. You can pray big picture. Lord, I pray that all the nations would have an opportunity to hear the gospel. The great commission would be fulfilled in my generation. That every single people group that has yet to hear the gospel would hear it soon. You can pray that, but you can also pray small. God, I pray for Jim at work. He doesn't know you. Lord, open his heart to you. I pray for that classmate that is, comes in either high or hung over every Friday at my class. God, encounter him. Meet with him. Okay, that is praying big, praying small. Every one of us can pray the mission. And I encourage you, if you don't already have a few names in your mind of people that you can be praying for, get, write them down. Literally today, this morning, you can write down one name, two names of coworkers, classmates, neighbors, just people in your life that have not yet experienced love of God. And then the last part is live the mission. Also, every one of us can live the mission. And what I mean by that is, okay, you understand it. I've got a part to play. I'm praying, Lord, bring people to you. And then it's you turn to somebody and you say, just say Jesus. If you're struggling on where to start, just say Jesus. Why don't you practice that? Turn to somebody next to you and just say the name Jesus. Go ahead. Go. Try it. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just picturing you guys at coffee shops all over northwest Arkansas. Yes, I would take um, a, 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 a vanilla iced latte. Anything else? Jesus. <laughs> Try it. I'm serious. Some of you, that's where you need to start. I feel like I need to just start over again. I'm, I was processing this. I'm like, okay. I, I mean, I do. I I was going, when was the last time I shared my faith with somebody? I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I have, but, like, it's not super regular all the time in my life right now. And I just, and I don't, hey, listen to this. This will help a lot of you guys. There's not an overbearing pressure from God that you have to do it every single day, every single second. Please hear that because I've struggled with that in my life as I've heard these, heard these teachings, kind of receive this overbearing pressure that I better do it. That is not the heart of God. It is always invitation. It is always opportunity. And if you miss an opportunity, the Lord will, he, he doesn't ignore it. He wants to talk to you about it. Why did you, why did you not do that? I was afraid and I didn't know what they were going to say. But he wants to work with us through it and help us graciously become, become more normal for us to share our faith. Okay? And just because you've failed before or got rejected before doesn't mean you're throwing the towel. Okay, all of us can say the name Jesus. Now, let me give you a little bit more of a help, helpful sentence. You ready? Hey, do you know anything about Jesus? All right, say that to somebody next to you. Ready? Go. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. All right, all right. You did it. Now, there, obviously, there's a lot more equipping to share our faith, but that's a start, and hopefully, I just intentionally want to keep it really, 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 really simple for us. There's a lot more to it, but I want to intentionally keep it simple, and maybe we can do more detailed equipping later on. How do we share our faith effectively? Obviously, for those that are going to Tijuana, a lot of college students and other folks, I mean, it's a great opportunity to learn how to share your faith, going on mission trips and stuff. All right, well, let's uh, wrap it up here, and the, the band, you guys go ahead and come on up. So in thinking about, okay, we're wrapping up the Health of the House series. Um, our board coming this week on Wednesday night, that worship night, they're going to be kind of adding their own little kind of flavor to it. I've asked them pretty much, hey, share just five, ten minutes 
what in your opinion, from your experience and what you see in the word, adds to a healthy house, a healthy church? So they're going to be speaking more into that. Yeah. <laughs> Do that again. I'm ready for my next point. And yeah, we're going to believe. <laughs> we're going to, um, we're going to, yeah, this is, I'm sorry, struggling. <laughs> Woo! I'm good, I'm good. We're going to just, you know, this is going to be a theme that we keep throughout, really, the rest of, I mean, forever, that we want to be a healthy church body and have a healthy household of God here. Um, but here's two things of kind of what do we do now, especially after talking about using your gifts and making disciples, because both of those things require courage, stepping out, some boldness to do those things. And here are two things that I felt like the Lord brought to my mind that we need to do, and this is how we're going to respond this morning, all right? So one, we need to believe the truth, and two, we need to surrender our fears. We need to believe the truth and surrender our fears. Here's a couple, um, in regards to believing the truth, a couple lies that I think maybe some of us are struggling with. I mentioned a few of them earlier, but lies like I'm not gifted. I'm not enough. What I contribute doesn't matter that much. We need to let go of those lies and need to believe the truth that, no, 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 you have gifts from God, you are enough, and what you do matters. What you contribute matters so much. And then surrendering our fears I think two main fears in regards to using our gifts or making disciples is fear of failure in some way. I try to share my faith and I fumble over my words and the somebody laughs at me. Or I try to step out to use a gift and then someone says it's not a gift, says somebody says something mean and I feel like a failure. Okay, also this fear of rejection, really similar but Share your faith. Someone looks at you and says, no, get out of my face. There's a way that <laughs> that can become fun. <laughs> but you have to surrender your fear. The goal is not to be rejected, but I always think, of the, I think it's Acts 5 uh, or 6, the end of it. You know, uh, um, John and Peter, they were sharing their faith, and they got rejected. They got beaten. And it literally says they left the presence of the Pharisees and the council rejoicing. We were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. They were filled with joy. Like they, they understood something that we need to understand. And that is like there is no loss when you say yes to the mission of God. It is a win-win situation every time. You need to surrender your heart. You need to submit to the Lord. You need to honor those around you. Okay, if you're doing things with wrong motives and intentions, yeah, there's a conversation there of some correction needed. But most of us want to do these things out of pure intentions. <laughs> and it's a win-win situation every time, no matter what the results are. And I'm going to close it out by um, reading this verse from Isaiah 33. might feel like a strange passage, but it's kind of connected to this surrender of our fears and this surrender of any lies and the theme of surrender. Many of us, you heard me say this the last couple weeks, but as we thought about 2023, and here we are, guys, it's February, all right? We already checked off one month of 2023. Can you believe that? Wow. <clears throat> and many of us have just had this sense, man, it's a year, it's a year of fresh surrender. Just, just giving up. <laughs> giving up our own, I don't know, just striving, giving up our own ability, giving up our own control, giving up anything that we're gripping tightly to. 
It's a year of surrender to the Lord. The most free people in the world are those that are surrendered to God. And there's just been this imagery within the Antioch movement, kind of a prophetic word that's been really helpful. And actually, the song that we sang was probably new to some of you guys during um, worship, the Come and Take Over, kind of that song as an Antioch song, Antioch and Waco. And they put this together um, really from a season of the Lord just stamping, hey, we, he, God is calling us back to be a people of surrender, a people that let go, a people that trust God with our entire lives. And it says this in... Isaiah 33, 21 says the Lord, but there the Lord in majesty will be for us. Uh, He's taken us to a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley or no boat with oars can go, nor majestic ship can pass. Let me just pause there. Keep it up there on the screen just for a little bit. God wants to lead us individually, but also corporately as a people into a place Uh, It's just the imagery of a river, a stream, where if you're in a boat, oars aren't going to help you. (laughs) Oars represent the things we grip tightly to that we can do in our own strength. And there's just been this word over and over again, hey, it is time to let go of any of those oars, to surrender, whether it's fear or believing lies or surrender control or whatever it is, it's time to let go (laughs) and let God come and take over because where he's going to lead us is going to be better anyways. And it's in that place that we see life, we see fruit, we see his goodness show up in crazy ways. So that's how we're going to end this morning, just a, a fresh surrender in our hearts. Specifically, if you know there are some fears and maybe even some lies that you're wrestling with that you want the Lord to break in and help you, then we want to uh, pray for you guys this morning. And also, if you're here and you have not ever officially given your heart over to Jesus, and I'm trusting him as my Lord and Savior, then there's opportunity to do that this morning as well. So let's stand to our feet. And I'm going to invite our life group leaders, some of our life group leaders to come forward. Just make yourself available to pray for folks. Again, we love to respond um, this way. Just because we care for one another and we want to minister to each other's needs. And so if there's any of those things that you're wrestling with and you want someone else to partner with you and pray for you, we want to encourage you to come forward. Guys, find a guy, girls, find a girl, receive some prayer for any lies you're wrestling with, any fears you need to surrender, anything else that the Lord's bringing up. So let me pray for us. Lord, we just corporately together, Lord, we just come before you and we surrender to you again. Lord, thank you that you've invited us into a glorious story and a glorious mission in the earth to, to be a part of strengthening your body and advancing your kingdom. Lord, I just pray over every one of us, any lies that are in the way from us operating in the things you've invited us into, Lord, would you expose them this morning and would you give us grace to overcome? And would you help us believe the truth? And Lord, if there's any fears that are hindering us or stopping us from stepping out in boldness. Lord, would you bring those fears up? I think that you're gracious, gracious to us in our fears. You're not condemning us for feeling afraid, but God, you're inviting us to surrender them to you. Every one of us, God, have fears. Every single person. But Lord, we don't want to agree with them. We don't want to cave to them. We want to surrender them to you. You're the only one, Lord, that has power and authority over our fears. So, Lord, release a grace to surrender all over again in this room this morning. In Jesus' name. Come and receive prayer if you guys want some prayer or somebody to partner with you. And then we'll wrap up in just a minute.